Uh, the look on Anastasia's <laughs> face when she realized that this was not the end, but the yeah. beginning. Like we launched and like we're getting feedback and like I had to push updates and like we're building communities. Uh, that's a whole other topic, but. <laughs> well, that's a very similar um, kind of path like Brian and I have to this for the like this podcast, for example, like we launched the podcast and like our like our family's like, oh, so you're you're doing that podcast thing. Yeah. And oh yeah, so you're like done with that now. I'm like, no, not really. You know, it's just like just starting kind of thing. Like, um, like both our wives and everything. Like we had to explain to them that you know, yeah, we're recording like once a week, maybe more, uh, after work. So it's kind of like work after work. Oh, you're getting paid, right? No, not really. You know, it's just uh, I'm just doing it because I like to do it. And it was just it was one of the things that like really like re-energized like Brian and I. And I, I can see like from you guys and your interaction that it is like a central part of your lives, even though it's like you've launched it and you're still working on it. But it's like the thing you come together, you have in common and you're like creating together. And it's like a cool exp shared experience. And that does come across in the game. I was telling Brian about that. Like the game, you can tell it's made with a lot of passion and it has a very it's I don't even know how to really describe it people just have to play it but it's something that you want to play like when you're playing it and if you just want to keep playing it and so that's to me that's actually it, it shows a lot of the passion that you put into it because sometimes you can pick up a game and i if you guys are you guys are gamers you guys know you'll play a game a little bit and you're like ah this just isn't very good you know it's like and it could be way more polished than a game like bard card but Bard card is super polished in that way that it wants you to play and invites you to play. And that's what I, I kind of think like when I, and when you put it down, you kind of think about it. So like I've been thinking about it, like I'm like, eh, I should get back to that sometime. So a lot of games for me, I can just put down and be like, ah, nah, no, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> but this one I want to play. So I think that does come across, you know, that passion comes across in the, in the final product. Mm -hmm. I want to No, That's really happy. That makes me happy. Thank you. That's good. My wife says, are you still playing your game? I'm like, yes, I am. I said, I'm going to hit number two before I hit this podcast. <laughs> Got to make sure I that climb the ladder a little bit here. So. Wow. It does. If you can, I don't know if, you, I don't know if it's possible to, to dethrone rifles. I, right. I, I don't know if he has the maximum number of points. But I, you know, with that. I can't even imagine what you're doing right now to get those points. Well, I can't even imagine. It's just like steady effort. But also, too, I, I have a theory about when you pushed one of your updates. So there was like a short time in a day where I was number one and I thought it was a mistake. I'm like, there's no way I'm first. And like, I don't have my phone to set to automatic updates. So I just will maybe batch it like once a week or something, right? And when you released how you did the experience points, and so some people were subject to that if they were playing the game but hadn't done, you know, they did the update. I think I was one of the later updaters. So I had the benefit of leveraging the old uh basically the old construct where like the artifact weapons like would never be like beat up or retired right so i could just wow. whack things at full strength and just take it out so i think that's why i got to three so my guess is that the rifles person whoever that person may be i'm coming after you, just so you know uh, <laughs> so it might take me a while but i'll get there um i think like they probably didn't do the update and so they had the benefit of the old, I don't know. That's just a theory of mine. Uh, don't know if it's there or not, but we'll see. Um, anyway, but that's a fun thing. Let me, let's talk about the constraints too on your creativity. So this became 
you know, we're recreating Middle Earth back in the early 2000s. And now it came down to a mobile game. And, you know, the there's some stories and different characters interwoven in it. But you chose, like, a retro look. Now, some of it may be, like, it helps give you all the, the warm fuzzies from growing up and what that means. But talk about that creative choice. Because oftentimes, I think, now when you have, like, for those who don't know all the game development engine stuff, like, these things are powerful to really, like, render stuff. I mean, it's gorgeous to look at. If you remember, like, Atari, and you saw, like, the Unreal Engine now, it's just completely night and day difference. Why, like, an 8-bit retro look? And even, like, the sounds, too. It wasn't like you had, like, a full symphony just blaring along. Like, tell me about the decision to do this in your presentation. What was it that you wanted to evoke in others? The first uh, the first art for it must be the card art. I spent a lot of time developing that uh, on paper before I got my, my iPad. And no, nothing else that you see came until much later. So the card art is all uh, single color because I am a screen printer and single color prints are the easiest prints. They're also uh, very high contrast and I knew that the uh, the art was going to be displayed pretty small. I still don't think I've done a great job of making them simple enough at their display size, but I fortunately have uh, probably one of the smallest viewports that our game is on, so I, it looks the worst on my phone. In any event, um, that style of the card art really came from um, practical considerations like that, you know, um, visibility at a small size and also my lack of... Uh, you know, professional graphics skills. I was literally, at the beginning, I was drawing those images as black on white paper, imagining how they would look inverted, uh, taking a picture on my camera with an app that could invert it and going, oh, that doesn't look right, and then going back and drawing it. Uh, I've since gotten much faster at it and can draw white on black or every color combination I'd like on the, on the iPad, so that's a lot faster. So, and then this sort of title screen art, does look uh, 8-bit or whatever you want to call it. That is also just hand-drawn now. I just kind of draw the squares, so it's sloppy uh, in a way. Okay. Um, but I just don't – I just can't make anything, so that felt natural. It's also relatively uh, low color count, easy for me to wrap my head around. But, yeah, I mean, I have the same feels that Kevin does. I didn't have any consoles growing up in the 80s, but I played them at my friend's house. So it seems like a nice introduction, although it's kind of jarring to me still that there's multiple styles. I'm hopefully my worst critic. Uh, like the you know the making the UI feel like it fit with the cards was important, but highly constrained by things that Kevin could explain to you. Um, maybe I should just say that uh, I don't know what's possible, so I have to constantly go back to Kevin and find out what we can do, what we can't. But I'm approaching it from uh, uh, somebody who drew for screen print for like 10 years straight, and that's just what makes sense okay. to me, I guess. Yeah. So some of the, this is the interesting point. So for those listeners now, there was the pre-conversation before the record button of kind of about some of uh, John's experience in screen printing and doing those things. Tell me this, um, if you were, if you were to design... Bard card, let's say it was a pure analog game, like you guys said you did, right? 
would you still choose the limited color palette because of your experience with screen printing and stuff? Or would you kind of go for, like Magic the Gathering is a pretty elaborate design. Like if you had to go complete analog, would you go fancy and schmancy or would you kind of still keep it a very simple presentation? Oh, no, I, I still definitely keep it simple. Uh, then I could even like control the, the production of it, you know, which really gets right. me going because I like making physical stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. when you bring up Magic the Gathering, it's funny. Uh, the My favorite cards or the art for my favorite cards is usually quite old and sometimes by artists who were not professionals uh, that are really simple. You could call it... Uh, I call it art brute or outsider art or uh, even things that seem related to folklore. I really like uh, old, old stuff before people were attempting to make it realistic, like before Renaissance, you know? Right. I, f- I feel like comics were invented in the, in the middle ages. You know, when you look at old woodcuts that guys made, it looks like, it looks like comic books, you know, and that, that stuff really draws me. That's um, very good. Yeah. So, Kevin, uh, I'm going to turn the question to you now. So, have this aesthetic that you're working with. Now, for the work that you're doing, very much what didn't exist 60 years ago. You know, there's no pen on paper for these type of things. I mean, if there was, you think about how computers were programmed, you know, way back in the day. Not too far back in the day, but in computer terms, way back in the day. (laughs) When you're dealing with this, and in the era that you grew up in, uh, because we're of similar vintage in terms of how we grew up, Tell me how your analog sensibilities have informed how you code and design in the digital space. Because they're very different tool sets. And sometimes, though, the decisions are informed differently depending on like where you come into the frame. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I'm trying to think of how to, how to answer this question. Um, so just thinking, so when I think of uh, analog gaming, is physical pieces, cards, paper. Um, there's not, um, I was going to say, there's not a lot of ways you can interact with the things. I mean, you can pick up a piece of, you can pick up a car or you pick up a car, you can pick up a, some dice, you can roll it. I guess it depends on the game. Whereas when I think of, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to step on my feet. I was going to say like, when I think of modern games, um, just very, they seem just very large, complicated, maybe confusing, flashy. I'm not a modern gamer like like you. I'm a mobile mobile gamer, and there, a lot of the games I play are like very, very, very simple. Um, so when I think of something like Bard Card, uh, I just try and hearken back to just like the the simplicity of uh, like a simple toy. Like if you have uh, something that is like uh, like a child's block. Um, you want to pick it up, you want to feel it, you want to like maybe roll it, um, maybe you want to put it in your mouth, like what does this taste like, like to have something tangible, where like with, um, you know, but this is very simple, simple interactions, like you're not rolling, you're not reloading a gun, you're not climbing up, uh, you know, a, a ladder and there's like bats flying in your face, um, you're tapping, uh, tapping these little cards on on a screen. Um, so I want it to feel inviting, like if you were going to see like a board game with like pretty colors and pieces you want to pick it up you want to look you know you want to look at that top hat on monopoly or like play with the money or something because it, it's it's colorful um but it's also intuitive it's like hey you know what this is going to be used for so i guess i guess intuitive is a good word like with bard card we don't really have um a tutorial or a walkthrough like when right. you boot it up 
you're not going to be have a bunch of text where it's like, hey, you need to do this. And this is how this works. Um, I my hope is that people can just pick it up and know how to play in a way. I mean, there definitely are things you'll need to figure out along the way. Like we've got an inventory system and weapons break. And, you know, there are these like tasks that you can find. Uh, but at the core, it's just you're matching cards. This is something that most people in their lives have done at some at some point. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess like just the intuitive nature of just having like a toy is kind of what I was really aiming for with the core game mechanic. Have you guys played it's really Memory? Cool. The game oh, yeah. might be as old as the 60s, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Guess, guess yeah. who was another one? Um, we had the, the panel of people and you say like, you know, does your person have blonde hair? You say no, and you knock down all the people oh, with blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. I have played that too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Guess, guess who was that one? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones too. But, you know, for me, card playing on both sides of my family, and it, they were serious, you know, it was the cribbage and up and down the river and buck euchre and golf and... Buck euchre? Uh, there was money... Buck euchre, yeah. There's euchre and then there's buck euchre. And so I've only, like, I didn't know there was a regular euchre. I just knew there was buck euchre because that's what my, my grandparents played. And then, well, there's regular euchre. I'm like, I have no idea how to play that. Yeah, sidebar, where, are your, you, where oh, is man. your family from who taught you buck euchre? Because we're from Michigan and they play euchre in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I Both Josh and I, we met, so we met in second grade and we were from central Minnesota. Oh, so interesting. And I'm, 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 yes, I'm from northern it. Michigan, like the UP. So. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I've never met anybody from the UP. That's just because they all move away and because of the snow, <laughs> you know? I got jumped by a seagull in uh, Escanaba, and then I said, You're done. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That also explains the name shortening, too, because you said, Hey, I'm John, you know? And so it's, I had to ask you, well, what is your name? And so the, the name shortening, Kevin, were you Kev ever growing up? I mean, I think John calls me Kev. There you go. My mom calls me Kev. People call me Kev. Yeah, you can call me Kev. <laughs> Kev. <there> you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> also, just not taking offense, like shortening names. Like that's just like a Midwest thing anyway. Like uh, you're just too polite to ever like correct somebody. Like I've had mm. people call me like one person called me Mark for years. And I just got to the point where I didn't, I didn't correct them. And when I was gone on vacation one time, like somebody came in and like, "Hey, where's Mark? What do you mean, Josh?" Uh, yeah. And then and I came back from vacation. They're like, "Why did you not tell me your name was Josh?" I said, "Well, after a while, it was kind of funny, and then it was just kind of like weird to say anything because I let it go for years. So I'm just like, uh, you know, non-confrontational wow. to the to the max. That's me, you know." <laughs> wow that's amazing <laughs> sits on a throne of lies yeah <laughs> the throne's name is mark <laughs> do, do you find people to be uh more confrontational on the west coast uh kevin than in the midwest i feel like uh seattle is the opinion yeah. of non-confrontational but oh yeah i mean especially so i live in the, the bay area right now and it just feels faster people eh, i mean i can't i can't pigeonhole people yeah like, as a group, right but it is. It's a different feel up here than Michigan. For so, sure. I, I live in Southwest Florida right now, and um, it's definitely like a different pace of life here because the weather is the same all the time. It's like seventy-five and sunny. Uh, so, like nobody's really 
like that was one thing that, for example, like we'll kind of get on a tangent, like game playing. Like when I was a kid in the summer, my mom would take our video games away and say, go outside because it's nice. So when I moved down here, it was nice every day. So it felt really weird to be inside playing video games. Like when, mm. but when in, in the middle of the summer, when it's like a hundred degrees and the humidity is like maximum, nobody that lives in Florida is outside. Everyone's inside because it's too hot. And then in the winter, they're like, well, it's too cold. So, <laughs> so they're sitting inside, but it's like all the people that come down here for vacation, they're the ones you see out all over the place. Or the people that move from like the Midwest, and there's a lot of them, they move down here. They're always outside. They're like, why is nobody outside? Well, it's too hot right now. And then the winter comes, and like, why are they not outside? I'm like, well, it's too cold for some of them. Because you'll see kids at the bus stop, and it's, I kid you not, it's like 45 degrees in the morning right now, which is, I'm out there in short sleeves and t-shirts and whatever. But there's kids, they're bundled up in their winter coats with boots and like scarves, everything, just like you would up north, like at the bus stop when you were a kid and i'm just like are you kidding me you know <laughs> but it's true it's just like it's what you get used to so it's kind of uh it's very interesting it's like wherever you live you might catch your death of cold yeah but that's okay because you know it's death is fun and you save your progress and you go back again <laughs> the next day on school bus and you dress to <laughs> Guess we'll find out, huh? Yeah, exactly. Let's not let's not encourage minors to go try that exercise. So, um, let's talk about this, guys. So I, I'm, I'm love I love some of the history that goes along with this. When you guys now say, okay, we're gonna we decided on like an app type game, and we're gonna do this. Um, you know, Kevin, one of the things that you said, you know, we could talk about maybe some of my gameplay experience, uh, maybe in the after after show here. But like where tell us about the feedback loop, because one of the things that is really useful in learning just in life is a high fidelity feedback loop, you know, and oftentimes uh, when you put something out there, especially like a game like this, there's a lot of things that come back and you like you you did what or why did this break? And they're just things that you don't account for, which allows you to adapt the game. But talk about how you guys synthesize that in a feedback loop, you know, and how did that change some of the things that you're doing, even for like your future plans? So now we'll flip the clock and say in the year, you know, 20 years from now, you know, what does this game look like or what does Bard Card then start to maybe game number two, three, five, 17, depending, you know, tell us about how players have affected what you do. Oh, yeah. Um, players have been have been everything um but it took a little while at the beginning to bring in people um you know people more than just me or or john um to actually test test it out so at the beginning you know it's really just kind of like me um and then in showing john what i'm doing and then there's also a, a third person uh it's my it's my brother sean sean if you're out there listening um super crucial uh in the direction of the game like i, I always yeah, he's i mean he's he's the OG beta tester. He's played every build. Um, he's also got like a mind for mechanics. So he, he helps me through a lot of those types of problems. But at the beginning, we're just kind of messing around. Like what kind of game could this be? Um, we mentioned at first, there was no story. There were like no real quests. It was just kind of get as far in the dungeon, finding weapons and stuff as you could. And then me trying to balance around that. And it just really wasn't like super super fun and it was it was really really rough it's trying to figure out different ways to to make it 
you know, what was a process. I'm trying to get to the points where um, the players actually started playing it and uh, giving valuable, valuable feedback. Um, that we started li listening to. So at first, um, you know, once we started adding quests and like a storyline, um, you know, we're trying to plan out like how long should this this game be? And you know, thinking like how many floors deep should it be? How you know how long should the gameplay be? How many different like quests we should have? So the original first iteration, I would say, with the actual storyline and quests, um, had things paced out really far. So bard card today the first time you meet your brother lucas um that's like floor seven um when you find gan the weasel that's uh somewhere hidden on floor five i hope i'm not giving away too many spoilers for people who haven't played the Single game but that's floors. just how it, how it is yeah but the first iteration you didn't meet your brother until like floor 22. like wow. it was a long okay. way and no one really got that far i mean my brother would because i would give him sure. a hint so i was like oh you should do this or that <laughs> yeah. um you didn't get gan until floor 13 there were no checkpoints you would just go oh, go go okay. die restart lose everything um so initial feedback like was interesting too like i've learned how to ask better questions to folks right you know give it to a couple of friends and they'd play it and i'd say like you know i'd have questions like was the game hard and they'd be like, no, it's actually pretty easy. But they only get to like floor 10 and there's like 30 floors. So I'm like, hmm, there's something wrong here. Like they didn't want to keep playing. And it's because it was just like a really hard, maybe not fun game to play. Maybe. Um, I don't know, John. What What were you? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were your, I mean, I, I don't want to go in. There's a whole list of things that we changed that were really crucial to the game. Mm -hmm. But John, what were your, do you remember your first thoughts? Like playing like the really early builds, like even the web builds. Like, do you remember the web builds? No. When it, I, when it used to be just like a browser based I remember game. Remember the screenshots because we looked at them recently, and I was just, dude, I've been uh, amazed by every step of the way. Honestly, it's like always getting better from my perspective. Wow, we can do this, you know. So I'm just like the worst person to ask. Like testers get less useful over time. I feel like like if we reuse, yeah, them. like. I find the first impression feedback from new users to be fascinating now. We're getting so much more of that because, mm. and I I feel like we have to prioritize that sometimes because we're going to have a constant stream of new players. And so some, you know, those fresh eyes are, are really great, but. Um, and, and if we don't, and something we've learned is that if we don't listen to like certain feedback, it's just going to keep coming up yeah. over and, and over. Oh yeah, sure. Um, People say the same so, thing. It's like gold, you know, like that's, that's what we do, you know? Yeah. 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 But then like, actually like, li like list, like actually acting on the feedback. Cause for sometimes you're like, well, this is how the game is and right. we're close to it. And we're like, oh, you know, this is like, but. But no, like definitely learning how to build with and not for has been like mm. a huge journey. Like one one example, and this was from uh, uh, Adam, good good friend of mine who was testing back in the day. Uh, so we, there's energy in Bard Card, and the idea is that um, you know you have a finite amount of strength to actually like go through the the dungeon, or else you'll collapse from like starvation, you're tired or whatnot. Um, but it's also a mechanic that uh, constrains people to the card matching like we we want we don't want people to be able to match like forever yeah. right like that wouldn't be super fun um so originally you would lose energy with every move whether or not you matched uh cards and i'm thinking well that's just you because you're making your actions or whatever and my buddy adam was like well this doesn't this isn't fun like i feel like i'm losing even for matching a card like my energy is still going down 
and like I try to rash, I rationalize in my head of like, well, no, I mean, you're, you know, you're executing an action, like it takes energy and I'm going to explain it to him, but he, but he's like, yeah, but that's not, not fun. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. But then making that change, like just, it was a really easy change in the code. It's like, Hey, if you make a match, you don't lose energy. It just felt like a, felt like a better game. Like, Oh, like I'm matching is even more compelling. Like I actually want to do this. Like if there are situations where I might not want to match these two cards, maybe I do because I'm low on energy or whatever, yeah. whatever the reason. And people, people really enjoyed, enjoyed that part. Like that's mm -hmm. one example of just like, just the core mechanic that just has really changed quests so this idea of tasks um i don't know i mean i guess i kind of know so there's like you can pick up a task and it will show up in the ui like oh you can you know give uh bianca these loaves of bread or whatever the whatever the task is there used to not be a tasks ui it was just kind of like implicit like oh you've talked to this person and you're going to kind of remember that you've talked to this person <laughs> no you're, you're not and this was this was feedback we didn't get directly from a specific person it was more looking at the, the game data. So we we collect certain types of uh, just like gameplay data. It's nothing like that's personally right. identifiable. It's like, you know, this, this hashed person, this hashed ID, um, you know, got this far or whatever. Um, so we can take the data and um, see, hey, how many people have, for instance, found like the rusty sword? And then I look and like, very low amounts. I'm like, oh, well, that's why people aren't getting very far because that's kind of like a core item that you really need to advance. So I'm like, why aren't people doing this? And then maybe asking some people that I know that are playing and they're like, I don't even, you know, I don't know where to get this. So just trying to think of ways to make um, these quests like more, uh, you know, more in your face. And that's, I, and actually that is feedback we got from like some of some early players. It's like, hey, like these quests are, It'd be cool to know that I'm actually working working towards something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you're you're right. Bard card used to be so cryptic. It's like, oh, we just want people to figure out everything. <laughs> well, because you because um, it came intuitive really... to you guys, so you're like, oh, why why isn't intuitive yeah. to other people? You know, well they didn't yeah. they didn't build yeah, it. You know, it's like, yeah, no, no, it's okay. I was just gonna ask you about that, but you guys kind of got into it a little bit. Like, how do you guys how do you guys take like criticism of your game? Like, if somebody. I know now you're probably to the point because you've iterated on it a lot, but at the beginning it must have been really difficult to take some kind of like constructive criticism like that. What or was it, or was it something you guys uh, like kind of just figured out into the sauce kind of of the game? You're like, yeah, we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to change this game. We just don't know. Or were you guys just really a gun hole on like this is the way it's gonna be? I 